ACAST. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to Pussy Power. Welcome to today's episode of Pussy Power. I am so excited about today's topic because this is something that I'm super passionate about and something that you know, whenever my friends and I talk about this, I really rally for this. This shit that we're about to talk about is incredibly life-changing, not just for me, but for the people who've also gone through self-healing. So I just want to make sure I cover this for everyone who's listening as much as I could. You know, there will always be people who will think that they're not damaged, that, you know, they are fine the way they are. And if they're not broken, you know, why fix them? And this is something that I feel like right now as a collective, we're really getting to uh, pay more attention to, especially with the changes around the world, with the lockdowns that have happened, with COVID just making sure that we're cooped inside our homes and you know without the usual distractions that we usually would have if we were in normal times you know maybe before our comforts lied in being able to see our friends every weekend being able to have fun and party and do all those things and right now in the times that we are living in, we're not really able to do those things as much as we have in the past. So obviously, that gives us a lot of time to ourselves, a lot of time to think, and just space to really look within ourselves, space to really just be able to reflect, you know, something that we haven't been able to do before, because there were so many distractions. So self-healing is something that I personally owe a lot of um, a lot of gratitude to because it's been able to really help me have a better quality of life no matter what challenges I, I experience along the way. And if you're new to this, I just I'm going to be putting this into context for you, right? So we're going to be diving right in because there's going to be so much meat in this discussion. So I want you to just imagine yourself as a baby when you were younger, when you were a child. Between the ages zero to seven, we're like sponges, right? You may imagine yourself being super adorable in your crib, just, you know, uh, playing with toys and making everyone smile around you. And those ages were super malleable and we, we literally soak everything in. Now, obviously around us, we have adults who have their own things, who have their own lives going, going on as well. And 
in those in those periods of time, you know, there a lot of the time for so many people, there's always something that has been traumatizing, something that has been so impactful to them. And of course, when we're in these ages, when we're in um, this, where we're, we're, we're just being, you know, ourselves as kids, ourselves as babies, ourselves as children, we don't necessarily have the cognitive capacity to process things emotionally. We don't really have, you know, the tools like questioning what we've seen, the tools like processing things, not just from an emotional manner where we're taking things personally and trying to just make sense of them. We don't have those abilities just yet as children, right? So if you don't already know, children are incredibly egocentric. So we feel as though when we were kids, you know, we feel as though the world revolves around us. Okay, if we're hungry, we cry. If we're happy, we cuddle with our parents or they make jokes and we laugh and just everything revolved around us. We just bought, we just brought this bundle of joy and terror to everyone that we were around. And that, that was pretty awesome. That had its perks too. You know, when we were, when we were hungry, we got breastfed. I mean, most of us who've had the, the privilege of having um, a decent infanthood. Now, during those stages, there's always a couple of, of events that happen that impact the way we make decisions when we're adults. So I'm going to be taking this abstract concept and making it a little more concrete for you guys. Because the thing that we may not be really aware of is whatever event happened to traumatize us or whatever event happened to really impact us to this day may have stemmed from childhood. And it really depends on what story we've told ourselves at the ages of one or four or five that shape the way we think, shape the way we act, and shape the way we relate with other people. So for example, right, all this is like blah, 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 shit, abstract shit. We're going to be making this concrete. So for example, when I was four, my parents split up and it was pretty violent. I literally saw my mom having like a knife in her hand and pointing it at my dad. And then my dad did something awful to my mom as well. And I literally witnessed that at the age of four. And uh, that was a pretty traumatizing event because my, you know, what I've seen as a child, I, I literally saw my mom with tears running down her eyes and I was like crying because I knew she was like sad and she was hurt. And at that time, I formed a story about that event that I right now, sometimes I'm unconscious that this story that I've formed from that event 
drives the decisions I make today. So I recently just discovered this and I was just like, holy fucking shit, right? It's like, holy fucking shit. Because I was kind of like wondering why to this day as a 22-year-old adult or young adult, whatever, why whenever there's a problem, I had the tendency to flee. I had the tendency to go away, to just hide and not face that problem. I would wonder why when I have something coming up, I would always feel this like weird, heavy emotional weight, even if the problem isn't that big. And after just ruminating about this, after just reflecting, I have a theory. And that theory is maybe I associate the emotional weight that I've experienced when I was four, when I saw my mom and my dad fighting, when I saw how my mom wasn't able to defend herself and how my mom decided to, um, how my mom decided to just flee in the middle of the night and be gone the day after. So my dad wouldn't be able to um, be with us anymore. I feel like that event has somehow still to this day unconsciously driven me in that when I have problems, I would want to run away. When I have problems, even though they're not as big, I would feel so emotionally bogged down by them. And that's what I mean when I say that the things that have happened in the past, the things that you know, we've witnessed as children still to this day drive our actions, still to this day drive how we relate to ourselves and with other people. So obviously as we journey through life, you know, life with its different flavors, life with its different um, cycles and seasons, we accumulate shit right? Sometimes we accumulate good shit, like good parenting, um, independence, security from childhood. And sometimes we accumulate shit as in shit that stinks, shit that we do not necessarily enjoy, but still somehow make up the rest of us. And it's like we're accumulating so much baggage from the ages of zero to whatever age we are right now. And it's like, imagine imagine yourself being like a, a garbage collector. And usually garbage collectors are able to dump their shit to like a dump site so that they're able to um, collect new shit and then dump them and collect new shit and dump them again. Now with us, because we're, you know, flawed and awesome as we are, we're human and these things that we accumulate, the shit that we accumulate, it's not always conscious. It's not always tangible. It's not always something that you're aware of. You know, these things can be like bed bugs. If you know what bed, if you know how bed bugs bite and how uh, they're almost really invisible to the eye, our unconscious traumas are like that you know the shit that we've accumulated they're like garbage 
but we don't know that we're accumulating garbage. We don't know that we're garbage collectors. So we're not able to process the garbage, the shit that we've collected. We're not able to collect them down. We're not able to stop holding on to them because we don't even know. We're not even aware that we are holding on to them. All right? Then what happens next, right? We we start accumulating all the shit. We start accumulating all this baggage. What happens next usually is we start unloading our shit to other people. Now, how does this look like? We then start to project insecurities. It's like, hey, I don't really know if I'm good enough for you because maybe at childhood, we've always been used to um, proving ourselves to one or both parents. And we carry that when we're relating to other people in friendships, in um, romantic relationships, you know, in ways that we relate to them. And we project the insecurities, the traumas that we've had when we were younger in our adult relationships. So examples of this would be fear of abandonment you know when you're you, I mean you guys probably know some people who are so good so amazing but they're just in shitty fucking relationships they're just holding on to this toxic relationship that you know is awful for them that's really bringing them down in a lot of ways in life but they cannot seem to let that relationship go because they have a fear of being abandoned. They have a fear of loss. It's like visceral, it's a visceral fear that they would rather stay in that relationship that's not good for them as opposed to feel like they're abandoned, as opposed to feel the, the intense emotional repercussions of leaving that relationship. Although they might know that you know, this person is an asshole, this person they're with is a fucking cheater. But that fear of loss, that fear of abandonment is still driving them to this day. And that's why they choose to stay in that relationship instead, because they just could not imagine, you know, the, the hurt, the pain they would feel if they're out of their relationship, right? So another common one are trust issues. You know, those people, I'm actually, I think I'm in this bracket. People who just need to really micromanage their employees, um, look through the phone of their significant others, even though, you know, they, because they're just freaking paranoid, right? Now, when we do this, you know, when we unload our shit to other people, it's, it's something that can start the process of decay in these relationships, even within ourselves, right? And the most common, the most common reaction that we have when we have insecurities, when we have our fears, when we have our issues, is that we push shit down. And we repress the fuck out of these motherfuckers, right? And when we do this, it's actually counterproductive because the more you push it down the more you repress things the more you do not express your feelings the stronger the explosion becomes when 
you've pushed it down so much, it has no other way to go but up and up it goes and it explodes right in your face, right? What, do you, what happens when you push a balloon down so hard, it fucking explodes, right? So it's kind of like that. And especially when we're not aware, we tend to blame other people, right? And we don't have any accountability whatsoever. And what happens because we just blame other people, you know, it's them who's wrong. I don't have anything wrong with me. Everything that's wrong in this relationship or everything that's wrong in this situation is from that person. And I'm completely clean as an individual. What happens when we pass the blame to others is we do not take accountability for our actions. We don't take accountability for our end of the stick. And that's when we start giving our power away because we just blame them. And so if, if it's outside of our control because it's through other people that this happened, you know, it's their fault. That's when we lose control because if it's not within our control, then how are we supposed to do anything about it? And that's where a lot of people go wrong in relating with other individuals because they just keep blaming other people. They keep blaming, you know, that Susan or Joe is a fucking liar, is a fucking cheater, somebody who's not honest, somebody who is just not right for them. And what happens a lot of the time is we fail to look in the mirror and see what parts of us have contributed to that situation. Now, I'm, I'm aware that this probably sounds a little bit abstract. We're going to be giving examples down the line. Now, it's, this is, I'm going to be giving you guys just personal experiences as examples. And I'm going to be uh, completely transparent. You know, there are times that I would literally blame other people for the things that are wrong. So, for example, in my previous agency, right, in Social on Fire, whenever there is something wrong, I would have the tendency to be pissed at, like, the people that I've put as managers. And when I do that, it's always, obviously, the other person's natural inclination is to defend themselves. Now, when I do that specifically, that's me giving my power away. In what sense, right? Because sometimes it is actually their responsibility that they've, they've, failed to, they've failed to do. But I'm talking about accountability and giving power away in terms of, okay, instead of focusing on what's wrong with the system that I gave them, I instead just blame them and think that they're fucking incompetent. And therefore, I gave my power away and I failed to claim the chance of improving the system, improving the things that could have been improved so that the other person could do their job better. And in re romantic relationships, because romantic relationships are always, you know, the part that everyone's interested in. I, I remember when I was like 18 
and I, I found out that my pseudo ex just fucked other girls behind my back without even letting me know. I ended up blaming him. I ended up just thinking that he was just some lying cheater and he didn't fucking deserve me. I just blamed everything on him. Now, after a couple years of reflection, after a couple years of thinking about what's what, what, what really happened in that relationship, what has gone wrong, you know? What did I fail to do that contributed to that bitter ending? And when I did that, when I did you know, the, the work of reflecting, and I promise you, reflecting on your shit, looking your shit in the face is not an easy thing to do. And that's why not a lot of people do it. It's super fucking challenging. You know, nobody wants to look stupid. Nobody wants to look like the bad person. When I really looked at things on a granular level, I realized that I had my own faults too. You know, yes, I ended up blaming him. I ended up crucifying him and just thinking that he was the shittiest person, the shittiest cheater ever. And when I really thought about it, I realized that I had my own faults. A, I didn't really listen. B, I didn't really even ask. You know, when, when he would express some things that I didn't necessarily agree on, I would just swallow it and not even speak up for myself. So blaming him just ended up with me giving my power away in that moment because I did not take accountability. I did not take responsibility for the actions that I took or the actions that I failed to take that contributed to that situation. Now, this is super normal, you know, in, in societies. You see so many people just pointing fingers at the other person without even taking stock of the things that they did wrong. That's why this is actually something that I observe when I'm talking to someone. If they talk shit about their ex and that's all they do, I would assume that that person is not self-aware whatsoever. If they just keep talking about how that other person ruined their relationship and not even take responsibility for the things that they did wrong, I'm like, okay, I understand where you're at. I understand that, you know, you haven't really taken the time to process the shit that you did wrong that contributed to that shitty situation. Now, all of this, if we don't really start doing the work, if we don't process these things, all of this shit will end up resulting in sad emotions and messed up relationships. And that's why we need to heal ourselves, right? We brush our teeth in the morning, we brush our teeth at night, we make sure we have our dental hygiene, our physical hygiene in check, 
but we never do the same when it comes to our emotional hygiene. And we wonder why we keep attracting the same fucking douchebag. We wonder why the right lady never comes. It's like, how the fuck are you supposed to accommodate that person when you have so much shit within yourself that you haven't dealt with? If that person did come along for you, I don't think that you would actually notice because you just have so much shit in the way that would keep you from actually seeing if that person is right or wrong for you. And this is not something that is being taught at school, unfortunately. But I believe that we are taking strides as a collective to start talking about these things, okay? And my goal for this podcast is to start conversations, to just spread awareness on the things that's making life a little bit more complicated than it has to be. What does healing yourself actually mean? You know, some of you here may be completely new to this and you might be wondering, okay, Sure, I understand the problem. I have so much shit that I haven't processed that is affecting, you know, the people in my life. What do I do next? Healing yourself really just means being aware of your unconscious drivers, your unconscious trauma, so that they do not direct you, so that they do not control your lives anymore. It's just a matter of processing your shit so that your shit is not in the driver's seat of your life. I remember being in therapy last year and I was talking to my therapist about my anger issues. How when my team fucks up, I just blow it out of proportions and I would literally just be livid and not be nice to everyone. Now, what I processed there was that, to make the long story short, it's not actually the 21-year-old Angela who got mad, right? It's the four-year-old me who felt like she wasn't in control, who felt like she didn't have the power in the situation who felt like the people around her just fucked up and just didn't care. So one question you could ask yourself when you're trying to process things is who is in the driver's seat right now? Is it you or is it a past version of yourself? Is it a younger version of yourself who hasn't been able to process the shit that he or she is dealt with. All of this starts with one thing, okay? Because yes, we could play victim for the rest of our lives, but really what kind of life would we be living if we chose that path? So many people will choose that path, you know, like I would definitely just let them be if they're happy with their lives, which I doubt they are. So all of this, if you are someone who is willing to take the other path that is more challenging, that 
is not is not a path that everybody is willing to take but will honestly give you a better quality life a better quality um set of relationships not just with others but with yourself all of it starts with one thing and that is awareness you cannot be controlled by something that you're already aware of okay and this is what people would call bringing the unconscious to the conscious so if you are aware that you have anger issues if you're aware that you have this deep rooted fear of abandonment this deep rooted fear of not being independent then you don't let those fears control you anymore because now you can process them now you understand where they're coming from and now you have a choice and that's the biggest difference between the other path and this path it's that if you decide if you you know somehow you you've attended lectures or you've listened to podcasts and you still decide to not work on yourself you still decide to not inspect the things that are going on within you emotionally if you still decide not to have an emotional hygiene then you're always going to be driven by those unconscious traumas you're always going to be driven by those things in your unconscious that you haven't processed yet and that's when you literally do not have a choice because how can you have a choice when you're you're just blaming other people how can you have a choice when you're reacting instead of responding but to give this a more concrete context i'm going to be talking about my favorite issue of mine you know this is some obviously something that i've processed it's i don't think i've processed it perfectly but i've done significant amount of work on my daddy issues so for example i know a lot of women maybe some men will be able to relate to this as well typically when somebody has daddy issues they almost always end up being an achiever in one area or some areas of life okay so for example for me my daddy issues has contributed to me being so driven and being so hungry and being so eager to prove myself and my worth in business okay now in that context using that using those issues as a driver towards something that's positive is good right but let's look at the other side what happens when your daddy issues just literally take the wheel from you and it takes control every time this is when so many women experience fucked up relationship dynamics where they need to chase because 
as children, they had the need to prove themselves worthy of their father's love, of their father's attention. Okay, I remember. Obviously, my 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 parents, you know, they they separated. I remember as a kid because I did live with my mom and I grew up with an absentee father. I remember that my dad would only be there, would only show up when I received awards at school, right? And once again, because as a teenager, I did not yet have the capacity to process this as something that was separate from me. That led to me unconsciously creating the story that I had to prove myself to earn someone's love. And it fucking manifested in some of the dynamics that I had in a couple relationships. My pseudo ex, I had to constantly prove myself to show him I was an equal. I've also experienced literally just having to chase guys and not knowing any other way. And I didn't even know that that wasn't how it was supposed to be because it felt so familiar. I, I remember my therapist, Laura, she would joke that, you know, people think they're looking for the love of their lives, but what they're really looking for is their mom or their dad. So when people fall in love, they think it's falling in love, but it's really like, hey, you remind me of my dad, come over. Let's like, let's have this thing. Let's re replay my traumas. Hey, you look, you literally seem like my mom. Let's like go over this trauma bonding thing again. And that's how, you know, unconsciously, if we really choose to just let these things stay down there, stay uninspected, that's how they're going to keep con taking control of our lives, taking control of the things that we're not fucking happy with. When I was chasing guys, I was not fucking happy. Like, bitch, I was miserable. And you can't change anything when you think there's nothing wrong with them. You can't change anything when you feel like that's the way it should be. When, it, when you feel like that's the status quo anyway. So it definitely took a lot of work a lot of processing to understand that no, Angela, you're not supposed to be chasing guys. You don't need to continuously prove yourself. And like, fuck, I literally was wondering why I was repelling some of the alpha guys who got attracted to me. I was fucking repelling them with this fucking competitive nature that told me I had to prove myself, right? masculine energy was my default not because it was a choice but because it was what I felt I needed to have it was what I felt I needed to be in to earn somebody's love right masculine energy that's the energy that chases that's the energy that pierces that's the energy that achieves 
and I was in my masculine for such a long time, and I was wondering why on earth am I repelling these guys that I'm attracted to? Well, it's because I was in my masculine, and masculine energy is not attracted to masculine energy. Surprise, surprise. And it really took me time and awareness about this to start shifting from my masculine to my feminine. This is so easy to talk to, but the processing of all this shit takes months, years, even decades sometimes. So consider yourself lucky if you're young, if you're, if you're starting to develop awareness of this, consider yourself blessed and favored, my sister or my man, if you are my man. Another, another um, relationship dynamic, another example is something that I've already mentioned, you know, abandonment issues, clinging to unhealthy relationships because you'd rather cling to that relationship then experience the pain of being left again. And this is something that I've observed when people tell me they've experienced one parent leaving them or one parent leaving the household. This is very common when parents decide to split up, parents decide to divorce each other. And as as children, we can't really process what's happening to them. And so we internalize things. And instead of understanding that it's an issue between mom and dad, it's the issue between the couple, we internalize it. And we think that, you know, sometimes it's our fault that we're being abandoned, that it means we're not good enough that's why mom or dad left. And this is this is super fucking subtle. You know, you could have the most accomplished people in a room, and I promise you, all of them will have unprocessed trauma. All of them will have one or two things that's unconsciously driving them that they're not happy about. So this, my friends, is the unspoken epidemic that's really going on around the world. It's our unprocessed trauma as a fucking collective. So what do we do about that, right? What do we do about all this unprocessed garbage? How do we stop being unconscious garbage collectors? Because if we're gonna be garbage collectors, we might as well be fucking woke. We might as well be fucking aware that we're collecting garbage so we don't unconsciously dump our garbage to other people's dump sites. I'm going to be giving you guys five habits to cultivate awareness that have definitely helped me. And these habits, some of them I've definitely spent a lot of money on. So consider yourself blessed and favored for having the shortcut. I wish I had this, you know, when I was younger, but I guess I am also lucky that I've gotten to work on myself at this age. I literally know people who would tell me, Angela, you're so fucking lucky that you started early. I fucking envy you. And I would have 50-year-olds tell me that they're only starting to process the shit 
that they've accumulated for 50 years. And that is my version of a horror story. So going back, the five habits to cultivate awareness. The very first one, this first one is going to sound like a cliche, but hear me out on this. The first one is meditation. Now, what is meditation? It's simply giving yourself this pace to be in the present moment. That's how I best describe meditation. Now, when you meditate, it's super simple. You don't need to complicate the shit. You can just sit down in a really comfortable position and start breathing. You can close your eyes. You can open your eyes. It's up to you. But I find that as a beginner, it's easier to close your eyes and maybe have something that's guided. So just like YouTube, 10-minute um, guided meditation or five-minute guided meditation. You don't have to meditate for 20 minutes or 30 minutes or an hour like monks. All you need to do is give yourself that space, that period of time where you're just with yourself. You're not distracted. You're not staring at your phone. So if you're a beginner to meditation, I definitely recommend just looking up five-minute or 10-minute guided meditation on YouTube. That's how I started, you know, um, four years ago. The, the results are not going to be instant. It's going to be gradual, but I promise you the awareness and the introspection, the insights that you're going to be getting, the peace that you're going to be getting as you meditate, those things are fucking priceless. And best thing is meditation is free. You can do it for literally just five minutes if you're incredibly busy. And it's going to slowly but surely help you out in just getting your shit together or even just going throughout your day. The next one is one of my favorites, and this is journaling. I literally have tens of notebooks since 2017. And what I found is when I journal, I would literally have insights that just popped out of nowhere. And I would have realizations. I would have, um, it's like self-paced coaching where not only do you see your progress, the things that you've processed, but you're, all, you're also able to write things down. You know, if you're mad, you're able to express yourself in a way that you may not be able to if you're, if you're not doing it on a piece of paper. So I don't want to limit you guys. Um, it's not just pen and paper journaling that you could do. You could also record yourself and just talk, um, whether that's through a video or audio that depends on you. But for me, definitely my go-to is pen and my journal. That's my favorite. I'm freaking traditional in that way. Now, this is not going to be a journaling tutorial. If you guys want more info on how I journal, make sure you request for that by emailing me. Send me a message. It's Angela at pussypower.live. So let me know if you want journaling tips and I'm going to be creating episodes um, that detail how I do it. The next one is something that I do 
uh, not every day anymore. But whenever I do it, it's it definitely centers me as cliche as that sounds. This third one is my one of one of my favorites as well. Obviously, it's yoga. And I remember it was December 2020 when I started trying this out. I just did it because I was bored and I wanted to, you know, try out yoga and I've never done it before. Uh, I've been doing it for two years now. And it's just something that, you know, when you're doing that fucking downward dog, when you're raising your hands, it just literally is a quick way to center yourself and to just give you the peace that might elude you throughout the day. Whenever I do yoga, I'm definitely able to breathe a little more deeply. I'm able to just have peaceful insights. You know, it's, it's definitely better to experience these things. And once again, if you're a beginner, you can just YouTube uh, yoga for beginners. The channel that I would recommend is Boho Beautiful. She has beginners, beginners yoga. And once again, this is free. It's on YouTube. You can literally just take 10 to 20 minutes of your day and have the peace that you wouldn't other, otherwise have if you just decided to like spend those 20 minutes scrolling on your social media. So yoga helps with inner peace. It helps with um, being aware of how you feel within your body. It's something that grounds you in the present moment. So yep, I'm a fan. All you need is YouTube and a yoga mat. That's all. The fourth one is traveling. This is something that definitely excites me whenever I do this. Whenever I fucking travel, I just feel like I break free from my bonds. I traveled the week after I broke it off with my pseudo ex. And I fucking promise you, I did not even really feel heartbroken at the time. So traveling, what I love about it is it gives you perspective. It's the pattern interrupt that you might not have when you're just staying at home. And yes, this is not free. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure there are ways that you can travel for a more affordable um, budget. But what I love about traveling is it gives you perspective. It gives you that pattern interrupt where, for example, like, a normal breakup would usually just consist of someone lying in bed and just crying their their eyes all day and not eating or whatever. But what I found is, especially for me personally, and it might be different for you, going through a breakup and be, being able to travel during that period of my life, it was able to just help me see how big the world really is. Because sometimes we forget, sometimes we forget that this person that we had romantic feelings for is not the whole world. You know, we might have just made them our world, but sometimes we forget when, you know, when we're just at home, when we're doing our usual stuff, when we're abiding by our routine, we forget that the world is so fucking big that there's so much more out there left to explore. And yes, traveling is not cheap, 
but it's definitely worth it in my books i love it it gives me new experiences it makes it clear that i can always have a fresh start there's always more out there that the world is not scarce there's always an abundance of people an abundance of experiences an abundance of adventures that i haven't even been on and so it's like it makes the heartbreak kind of small in a sense because on the grand on the grander scheme of things there's just so much more out there that's waiting for you another one i want to throw in is having the community having the support that you need when you're going through something that is challenging so for me i've done this through seminars i've done this through events personal development ones and it allows me to see and meet and talk with people with a community that supports my emotional growth and my healing so groups like i think it's um alcoholics anonymous codependence anonymous the one that i've attended uh, ikapano those things that just give you a sense of community and give you a sense that you're not alone in this you're not going through this you're not going through your journey by yourself you know there are other people who are going through similar things as you and no it might not solve your problems but in my experience it's definitely been something that's comforted me in those trying times lastly this is also not free but this is an investment that i've spent tens of thousands of dollars on and i will be the first to say that i definitely believe this is worth it you know yes it might be tens of thousands of dollars but the return the lifetime of pain that it saved me it's fucking worth it and this last one is none other than therapy and i've i've gone through like the traditional therapy with an actual fucking therapist and a therapy that has to do with like healing holistically and both have their own merits but the one thing that i've really done for like over a year is energetic healing and this is through my coach sarah she's definitely helped me a lot in terms of subconscious processing and unconscious healing okay what i find is i i think i believe i've done years and years and years of work through her mode of therapy and i feel like it saved me time because traditional therapy it's it's conscious processing but what i've experienced with energetic healing and holistic healing is it allows you to heal not just your conscious mind it allows you to process not just consciously but have subconscious processes as well so this is definitely like in the woo woo side of things but it's it's helped me it's worked for me and it's worked for my friends so that's what i can say about it love it i'm a fan of therapy and i'm so grateful for um the things that sarah has helped me out with this is really this is really um one of the coolest things i remember one of my one of my friends told me that she wasn't really a believer of this unconscious 
blah, blah, blah at first. But when she experienced it personally, her digestion has improved dramatically. I think she told me that she would like poop black shit or something like that because there was something wrong with her digestion, something wrong with the, pro the way she processed stress. And literally after the first session she had with Sarah, after she's done some subconscious shit and subconscious healing, her digestion just dramatically improved. And I don't think she's pooping black shit anymore. So those are, those are the habits that I would suggest for you to cultivate your awareness and once again the first step is always awareness right being aware of the shit that we've accumulated the things that trigger us so that we don't act out of fear we don't act out of anger we don't act out of trauma we're aware that yes this is something that triggers me so that you can respond instead of react because there's a world of a difference that could happen between the moment that we could have chosen what to do. And I'm going to be um, differentiating what responding and what reacting is. So reacting, this is what literally 99% of the world does. Reacting is being a slave to your emotions. So it's kind of like saying, oh, I did this. I shot this guy because I was so mad. He provoked me. And once again, that's blaming the external. It's not taking accountability for your actions and it's giving your power away. Responding on the other hand is being aware that you have the choice to choose what to do next. Instead of saying, I did this because I was mad and this person provoked me. Instead you say, yes, I'm mad, but I'm choosing to be the better person, so I'm not taking revenge. It's owning responsibility for your actions. It's knowing that you have a choice, that you're not a victim to your emotions. You know, it's like either you rule your emotions or they rule you. So as, as a result of self-healing, some of the benefits that you can um, experience is first and foremost, accountability, owning responsibility for yourself, not blaming others and not giving your power away. Accountability is when you take your power back. Accountability is saying, okay, I don't particularly like the situation, but I can do something about it so that it doesn't happen again. Okay. It's reflecting. It's looking at yourself. It's looking at your shit. And be like, holy shit, that's a lot of shit. That's tinky shit. But I'm owning it and I'm not going to let this take control of my life. Okay. And of course, with all that work, you're also going to be able to develop the ability to communicate better and to respond instead of react. Okay. So when you're triggered, you're aware that you're triggered and you don't blame the other person. You own up to what's happening inside of you. So you can ask for the support and the help you need from the people around you. And through this life, you know, a lot of people say that you can't take your money with you when you die and that your relationships, the quality, the quality of your relationships 
will determine the quality of life. What more can, can one person ask for than peace and joy in this lifetime? So folks, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I definitely enjoyed talking about this. And if you have any questions, if you have any, any, any more things that you want me to talk about, once again, make sure to email me at Angela at pussypower.live. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed this and I will see you on our next episode. Hey there, fabulous souls. I'm Stephanie Baklaan. And I'm Eden Alpert. And we're the hosts of the brand new podcast, Unapologetically Fab. Get ready to join us on an amazing and real journey as we dive into life after 40 and own it. We're all about changing the narrative, leaning into who you are, and living a life by your own design. Join us as we embrace life unapologetically and redefine success. This is Unapologetically Fab. An Electric Cast production. See you there. Electric Cast. Welcome to Ringside with Ray and Prince. My name is Ray Leonard Jr. Oh, is that my name is Prince Daniels Jr. Daniels again with a big hole. On this show, we come to humanize athletes, entertainers, business executives. We're going to see what makes them tick. Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Pacific time on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you there. Peace and power. Electric acid. Electric acid.